Talk Zone presents Motivation with a Purpose Radio, the show that highlights the inspirational stories of people from all walks of life. Now, bringing you real inspiration, here are your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome to Talk Zone once again, the home for Motivation with a Purpose every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time out here in the great Northwest where we attempt to inspire, motivate, and challenge you to live and work with purpose. I'm Rich Hallstrom, and my co-host once again is Zeke Bambolo right by my side. We have a great show planned for you today. Author Sharon Lipinski is our very special guest. We want to take a time, take a little bit of time here, though, to remind you where you can find us on Facebook at MWP Radio AM, on Twitter at MWP Radio Man, and, of course, right here on the Talk Zone channel, Sharon Lipinski founded Change Gang's Virtual Giving Circles to help us more wisely give to charity and those assign those interesting and, assign, and important projects that we think are the most valuable in our lives. And she's going to be a great guest to talk with. Zeke, I know that you are a very giving person. What are your thoughts about this topic this morning? What a setup, Rich. You call me a giving person. Oh, if I ever saw a setup before, that was one right there. You know, where, where in my life have you seen me give to people like that? You call me a giving person, my friend. Well, I would say that you are a very giving person, being a de- deacon at Antioch Bible <laughs> Church and uh, doing your uh, motivational speaking and uh, writing your book, you know, sharing yourself and sharing your personal experiences. But I know that charitable giving, if we take a look at the Bible, uh, just as a point of reference, the Bible has an awful lot to say about what we do and don't do with our money. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I you know, again, like you eloquently said it, you know, sometimes we get too caught up in money as the primary way of giving when we can give of ourselves and other things, but uh, you know, I'll be interested. I'm interested to hear our guest's uh, approach and opinion on the subject matter and the areas that she finds her, herself most involved. Uh, obviously, I'm maybe in the monetary fashion, but giving is something that uh, not only would I let you implicate me in that whole mindset of what I do, but I think you yourself, with what you've done, regardless of the things that life has dealt you. Have been more of a charitable giver than I can imagine, and especially as you've continued to to muster through uh, doing your show for for years now, and giving of your yourself out there. So, uh, I think again, we we have a topic that fits exactly what our mode is here on TalkZone.com and with this motivation with the purpose show. And we pray that our audience would get great value from Sharon's time uh, with us this week. I appreciate the, those compliments, Zeke, and let's get right to it. Sharon Lipinski founded Change Gangs, Change Gangs Virtual Giving Circles because she wanted to help people who like to give money to causes they care about but don't have time to research the charity or the important cause or they don't feel their donation is big enough to make a difference. And they end up wondering what happens to their donation after they make it. Now, the giving circle is a very unique concept. It's a concept where several people get together and pool their donation or pool their money to make a bigger difference. And Sharon is on the line right now to explain to us more about virtual giving circles. Hi, Sharon. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for hosting me today. I'm happy to be here. Sharon, thank you very much. Let's talk about why you founded Change Gangs in the first place. Tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I found myself in a place where I was kind of questioning what was important in life and what I wanted out of life. You know, we all reach that point in our life um, at least once and then maybe multiple times. I know I've been there a couple times. And I had this experience where I ended up inviting this older gentleman who I knew would be alone for Thanksgiving and I invited him to spend Thanksgiving with me at a Chinese restaurant. And as we sat there in this, you know, restaurant and sharing plates of beef and broccoli and sesame chicken, I just listened to him. And as he talked, I, I didn't see, you know, this man who didn't have very much. I didn't see this man who I hardly even knew. But what I saw 
was a man, a father, who was really proud of his kids, but who also had a lot of regrets about his life and who had so much pain um, that he didn't have anybody in his life to talk to. And I realized, like, wow, this was such an easy thing for me to do. It was a big deal for him. And that's when I really became committed to giving. More than, certainly I was not living up to the example set to me by my family, but, and I think that lots of people find themselves in that position because it's hard to find the time, the money, and sometimes it's just awkward and we don't know how to give. And so I became really committed to just making it easy and accessible for people to give effectively. Sharon, uh, this is Ezekiel here, and I am listening. To, I'm not sure. Did you say that the fellow was uh, – describe what his situation was again with regarding his, his – uh, did you say something about his children? I, I, I kind of missed that a little bit. Well, so I was renting a house in a town that I did not live in, and I would walk – it was a it was a tourist town, but it was off-season, and he was living as a caretaker in the gas okay. station. Okay. And I would walk past with my dogs and we would strike up a conversation. And so I learned a little bit about him. I learned that uh, he had a drug problem in the past, but his children okay. didn't talk to him anymore. Okay. Okay. All right. So I, I, I was just trying to wrap because, you know, when you were talking, you mentioned that a little bit, especially uh, I, somehow my mind, uh, which wasn't quite what you were about, somehow my, my mind went to what uh, sometimes we get, you're talking about someone who was in a different stage of life, uh, maybe with the min- minimal uh, possessions. But sometimes even I, I find that, you know, we are in the place of uh, affluence. Or in this case, as I thought about Ecclesiastes chapter 4, it talks about the man who is out there and uh, he works his till of, makes a lot, accomplishes a lot, but there's no one to share it with. And I also thought about the context of giving from that perspective. Um, I'm not sure if that's something that you want to share some light on both sides of the equation here. Well, you know, I think we, we probably all have more than we think we have. And mm-hmm. it, it's easy to kind of get into our daily routines and rhythms. And, and like, so one of the things that I found, you know, in my own personal experiences of giving is that I wanted to. I really did want to, and my intention was there, uh, but I didn't know who to give to. I didn't know what they were going to do with my money, and I didn't even know, you know, where I was going to look to find out and what I should look for. And because we're busy, right? You know, we're we have families and jobs and all of these obligations. I think that life gets in the way of really fulfilling what our intentions are. Sharon, how do we give more generously? all year round and not just think of giving during the holidays? Well, so, you know, Zeke was mentioning earlier about different ways of giving, and and there are many, many different ways of giving, giving time, talent, money. Let's talk about uh, giving money. And I think when it comes to doing that regularly, you have to set aside a certain amount from your monthly budget. So, just like you might do with a savings account. You know, it just kind of goes out of your checking account before you even have a chance to spend it. And then here you have your your donation money. This is how much we as a family, you know, want to give. So let's just set it aside. And I think that most people will find that their budgets tend to just wrap around that cost. So we don't have to find out, well, where are we going to find $25 this month? It's already gone, and it means you're not spending it at Starbucks or the movies or on extra, you know, whatever. You just got to get it out of your account before you have a chance to spend it. Uh, as you as you talk about that, Sharon, also, um, I'm, we we you, some of us tend to prefer to give through what we call a tithing and so forth, um, and. As you talk about budgeting and so forth, others obviously will give, instead of a, a tithe, will give to a direct agency or nonprofit, and that's their way of, of giving as well. As you talk, I mean, what do you, in your work, what do you find, uh, you, what do you find yourself working with most? People that are giving through, uh, churches and stuff like that, or are they just giving in general to a, a particular cause? 
Well, you know, a church is a, is a form of a giving circle. So the concept of a giving circle is that you pool your donations with other people because together you can make a bigger difference than you can do alone. And so we also, we're creating giving circles outside of a church. It doesn't mean that you, you know, couldn't also give to a church, but we focus around very particular causes, things that we care a lot about. So, you know, every month I'm sending $25 to my veterans giving circle. And as a group now, we're researching charities that are supporting specifically veterans. You know, so a giving circle, anybody can come together and make a giving circle around whatever cause that they care about to support that specific cause, while also supporting your church. So, I mean, as, as, you, as you talk about that, um, and part of your position, and maybe you can tell us more about the, or your organization in particular, but part of your position, as you tell us more about your organization, is that you will do checks for people who need to know more about organizations. Is that correct? Well, so what we do is we organize virtual giving circles around a particular cause, and we just pool our small donation, and then there is a donation committee. And the donation committee researches charities that our members have nominated, and then every four months we vote as a group which, you know, charity we want to donate to based on the information we've discovered, you know, through our research process. So we're not, really, it's just about a community of people who are coming together to give intentionally, because Giving is very powerful, and it is actually changing the world if it gets to great charities doing great work. And not all charities are, and that's why you have to research a charity before you donate. Okay, Sharon, that leads me to my next question. You say that there are five big mistakes people want to avoid when donating. Uh, Tell us about them and what we need to watch out for. Okay, so first mistake is not researching. You know, we just trust that a charity is going to do a right thing. And when it comes to money, we unfortunately just can't trust that people are going to do the right thing. Not all charities are created equal. Some are great. Some are squeezing every ounce of value out of every dollar that they have. But some are really struggling with leadership, vision, and implementation. Others um, might be working on programs that nobody needs, that might even be hurting the very people that they're trying to help, or even worse, could be embezzling your dollars to fund their personal lifestyle. So you absolutely have to research before you donate. That's mistake number one that people make. Mistake number two is they don't say no. You know, we're busy. We don't know what to look for. We don't know our look. So when somebody comes and asks us for a donation, we just say yes. And sometimes you just have to say no when somebody asks you for a donation. And one of the reasons that people don't say no is mistake number three is that they don't have a donation plan because saying no is easier when you know what your yes is, right? Right. Yeah, so you need to know how much do we donate every month? What kind of causes are important to us? What do we look for in charities? How do we know they're doing a good job? So create your donation rules. And then based on that plan, when somebody comes to you and asks for a donation, you can decide this fits into my plan or it doesn't. And then you can say no or you can say yes. Mistake number four is that people go it alone, you know, because researching takes time. Creating a plan takes time. And if you do all of that by yourself, well, it's a lot of work and it's kind of lonely. But you can create communities of people around you who care about the same causes. You know, you can create, bring friends and family, create a giving circle, and use that donation committee to share the work of researching those charities, share the work of finding out more about the causes, so that you're going to fund a program that's actually going to make a difference. So don't go it alone. Get a team of people around you who care about the same thing. And then finally... So the last mistake that people make is they underestimate their donation. And I know that I've done this myself because I felt like, you know, I didn't have very much I could donate. I could do 5, 10, 25, you know, over the course of the year, maybe I would donate $100 to a charity. And it never felt like it was big enough to seriously because it wasn't that much money. But I want people to know what a big deal a small donation is because you are not donating alone. 
Do you remember in 2004 there was a tsunami that hit Southeast Asia? Yep. Right. So everyday Americans donated $2.78 billion in tsunami relief. And I mean everyday Americans. This was not celebrities and large foundations. The average donation size was $135 and the median was 50 Everyday Americans opened their hearts, they opened their wallets, and they created a tidal wave of donations in $50 increments. So I want people to know that no donation is small, and every donation should be taken seriously. Sharon, I, I appreciate you breaking those five things, and I want us to get a little practical with what you just told us there. And I want to start, I think, for me, as I listen to your list of five things here, we can dissect them a little bit more, but I, I think the, the foundation in the beginning must start with planning. And I want to go back on that third item of yours, but look at it from the perspective. People think that they have planning, and we run into situations, for example, to make it very practical right now. I'm driving down the street. I've got a stop last stop, and there's a guy on the sideline, a gal with a, a sign, you know, and and our strategy, obviously, to make our feel good is to give them something. And sometimes we know that some of those issues that we've, we've heard to are are not as honest as always, and I'm not saying every one of them aren't, but when it comes to planning, and we have these, you know, quick happening, uh, what do I say, you know, the bang, bang, the calling sports, the bang, bang play, it happens and I see somebody and I want to give something. I mean, let's talk about planning in the, in the practical sense. What should I do in that situation? Do you have some advice that you gave to your uh, people that you work with? Well, I would say it probably it depends in good part on a personal decision. So now my husband and I said, you know, we have $20 a month that we will just give and we don't care what happens to it, right? Because I think that there's a really strong place for planning and looking to make an impact with your money. But I also think there's a spiritual lesson in just giving money away with no strings attached. So we have made a personal decision that, yes, in those cases, we have some money budgeted that we can just give. Um, and, but other people may not be comfortable with that. And, and I think it's a personal decision that, again, is part of your plan. What role does giving play in your life? What role does giving money play in your life? And, and how do you, again, you know, create a strategy that helps you meet those goals? Mm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, I, I mean, it touches on a little bit. I, and I, you know, I'm also, I, I think the, uh, I like when you said, or you talk about planning early because usually, and you have given a good example by saying you have, you have an, an exact strategy in terms of your decision or what you will give, no strings attached. Be over and above what you may have in a tithing or more specific giving commitments that you have. So, yeah, I, I think I like the idea that. And in, in, in the same token, you know, I wonder how, how much people feel guilty because of a lack of planning of not giving to someone on the, side, on the corner because they haven't thought that through. And uh, you know, is that something that you find yourself engaged with as well in terms of helping people understand that that uh, application? You know, I, I think there's so much guilt around giving or not giving, and right. I, I think it leads to really emotional decisions about, you know, where we put our money. And and I think sitting down and having conversations and bringing those those emotions to the surface and say, well, how do I feel when somebody on the street asks me for money? What do I want to do about that? Mm-hmm. And so when you find yourself in a giving situation, and you're noticing, like, hey, I'm really excited about that, or hey, I'm really uncomfortable about that, is to just kind of explore those feelings and saying, okay, what's going on there, and where's my opportunity for growth in here? Sharon Lipinski, the founder of Change Gangs, is our guest on Motivation with a Purpose today. We'll be back with more with her after this timeout. You're listening to Motivation with a Purpose Radio on TalkZone.com. Back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Indeed, this is Motivation with a Purpose here on TalkZone.com. This is, as he calls me, his sidekick. My good friend Rich Hallstrom calls me. This is Zeke Bambolo here. And we have a great guest on the line with us today. This is Sharon Lipinski. And uh, she is involved with Giving Circles 
help.com and a couple other and uh, change gangs as well. And so she's talking about the processes that we go through of charitable giving. And uh, Sharon, as we left for our first break, that we were talking a little bit about the whole guilt aspect. And I- I'm thinking too on the you, one of the uh, your, of your five things mistakes that people make is we do not know how to say no. And uh, um, when we talk about saying no again, uh, we were talking about some maybe on the side of the street. And uh, when you say well, there are multiple ways we can help that person, also one of the things that I would almost prefer to do myself is to speak with them and find out a little bit more intimately what's going on with them. If, instead of gift, instead of putting myself in a cage of giving money, is there something else that we can give and they see what their reception is to those, to those ideas if there's really someone in need. So how, what are some things that we can talk about in the process of go, even making a decision and being and getting away from the guilt process of saying no? Well, so I'm not sure that I'm entirely clear on what your question is. Okay, so we're talking, you know, we, we left out talking a little bit about how we sometimes we feel guilty that we, because we see some, we want to give something. And we do not have a good plan, a, pro, uh, a process, thought process on how to say no if the situation isn't the right situation for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I want to give our audience some, some, some things that they can hang their hats on, some thoughts that they can take away that says, that gives them the process of how do we, I and mean, we're talking about planning and so but how we how do we get to that point of saying no without feeling the guilt riding on our hearts? Well, to say no, I, I think first requires that you listen. And mm-hmm. and when people are asking for money and, and and in this case I'm kind of talking about when people come to you and let's say they're raising money because they're doing a walk for some cause, or mm-hmm. you get a letter in the mail or you get a fundraiser who calls you on the phone. When people are coming to you and asking for money for a cause I have so much respect for that because it is so important that people go out there and raise money and make a big difference. So the first thing I think is to respect the person who's asking you and give them the courtesy of listening to that request. And after you've listened to it and after you've made a determination, this doesn't fit into my plan, this is not something that I want to give to, then that's when... You, what I call, what I say is appreciate in the client. You know, thank that person. Thank you very much. I really admire you for asking, for going out there and, and raising money for this cause. Unfortunately, I give most of my money to causes that support veterans, pets, and, and in poverty. And I just don't have any funds outside of that to support your cause. But, you know, so much luck to you. And I know that you're going to find a lot of people out there who do want to support you. Now that and line of qu- Go ahead. I'm sorry, Sharon. I'm sorry, Sharon. Com- complete your thought. I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say then you have to kind of stand your ground because it can be kind of an uncomfortable process to say no, and they might not even want to take no for an answer. They might want to kind of like talk you into it. And again, that's a wonderful character trait because people who go out there and don't take no for an answer are changing the world. It doesn't mean though that you have to change your mind and donate. So you just want to stand your ground. And I can promise you that it gets easier because I have donated now to so many charities that I am on everybody's sucker list. (laughs) And I can tell you that now I have to say no a lot, and it just gets easier. You have to practice it. Now, one of the reasons we might want to say no is that there might be some warning signs or some things that are not quite right. Tell us about those warning signs and some of the very key ones that we should automatically be looking for as we have these conversations with charity charities or nonprofit organizations? Well, there are three warning signs that I look for personally. One, I look for a similar name. So, for example, do you want to donate to Paralyzed Veterans of America or Paralyzed American Veterans? Paralyzed, I would say off the top of my head, if you were to ask me that question, Sharon, it would be Paralyzed Veterans of America because I recognize the name and I know some about their track record. Yes. Well, Paralyzed Veterans of America is a congressionally chartered charity. Paralyzed American Veterans was started by a guy who created this charity just to capitalize off of their reputation, hired a telemarketing company, and that's all the money is now in prison for fraud. So, oh, my gosh. Right. So this comes back to the point of you have to research before you donate. Because if you get a phone call and you think paralyzed American veterans, well, I think I've heard of them. 
right? Have you ever done that? Actually, I have gotten at least two or three of those phone calls. And uh, normally when I get uh, something like that where the name is sketchy, that's like the that's like the first warning bell that goes off in my mind. And I would say that our audience probably would identify with that too. Yeah. So if either on the phone, first rule is you have to research, right? So you say, well, that sounds interesting. Let me do some research. And then if you see, well, it has a similar name to this charity, there's warning, right? It doesn't mean you can't give, but it really is going to require some further research so that you choose a congressionally chartered charity and not the one who's just looking to get your money. Now, that brings up another question. Explain to us what a congressionally chartered charity is. That's a good question that I actually can't answer. But I do know when I went to Paralyzed uh, Veterans of America's website, they did list that on there. So, And I don't think that there are very many of those. So it must be a, a, you know, something that Congress felt was important enough to have something dedicated to supporting. Excellent, excellent. Let's continue with the warning signs that we want to be familiar with. Asking for donations in cash or by wire. If you donate through a credit card and you find out later there's a mistake, you can get that money back by following the process. But cash or wire, that money is gone. And if you see that news organization, that charity on the news later, there's something that you can do to get your money back. So if they're asking for donations in cash or by wire, that to me says they don't want a lot of strings attached to the money that they're getting. And then the third, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say next. Next is lack of follow-up. So when I'm doing my research, I will go to their website and I will fill out their web contact form and then I see what happens, right? If they don't call me right away or they don't email me back, I'll try calling and seeing how high up the chain that I can get. And I'm looking for, you know, specific questions that I want to have answered. And if they can't answer those questions, if they can't send me materials that address the concerns that I have or they don't do it in a timely manner, that to me is a warning sign that there's some organizational issues going on. They might not have enough staff or it might not be important to them or they, you know, there might be something going on and that to me is another warning sign if they can't follow up. All right, Sharon, I, I'm listening there and I'm listening to your three, your list of three things here. And I know you are by far more patient. Uh, I can tell by the way you're talking and your, your way, the, your, your, your thought process. But you're, I'm, I'm at home in the evening. You know, usually I run my dinner time with my family. I get these calls from the police department here in San Francisco, though I live in Seattle or something like that or some fire department. And there's a telemarketer that I can't seem to shed. I want to be nice and get back to my dinner and my family. I mean, so you listen. Most of us don't have the time, I would say, to go through that list or even think about, oh, it was Paralyzed Veterans of America supposed to American paralyzed. I mean, I don't. We don't even have the time to think about or process what we're hearing. Would you agree that that you know? How do we approach that telemarketer scenario as I just described? Well, I have a couple of things. One is that as part of my donation plan, I have rules, and one of my rules is I never donate via the phone ever. That's just an in, you know a rule that I never because I can't do any research over the phone, and so I can't donate. But I will generally give them the respect of listening and saying, so what are you raising money for? And then if it's something that I'm interested in, like I am very passionate about supporting veterans, and then I will say, okay, well, I'm not going to donate over the phone. I appreciate you calling, but I just never, ever donate over the phone. But here's what I'm going to do. Thank you so much, and have a great evening. And again, stand your ground because they're going to try and talk you out of it. And you're just going to go, you know, I really appreciate that. And I wish you good luck with the fundraising tonight. But I will check out your website. And if I'm interested in donating, I'll do it via your website. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The the, the other thing that you mentioned there, too, um, in your comment earlier, as you went to a list, which was very very eye-opening for me as I listened to what you described there in those three warning signs. The other thing was I I got a little concerned because here I am. As a matter of fact, right now, uh, I am in the process process of starting a a nonprofit organization as well. And we really focus on teaching those in the culture, whether some good, strong families or those with not strong family backgrounds, how to understand the process and the importance of multi-generational family legacy. Now, what caught my attention was 
He says, sometimes I'll call and I'll try to go up the chain and see how far I can get. And I'll, if I find out they don't have a really large staff, then, you know, so I'm thinking if I'm someone who has a genuine idea and I'm out there speaking in prisons, you not detention centers around anywhere I can get my hands to speak and get people this information. But I uh, but I'm raising funds to be able to fund areas where others can't pay for what I do. Uh, and I don't have this huge organization behind me. Does that does that cast me out of your your your, uh, your radar in terms of how you would give to a, an organization that is not hugely funded in terms of staffing and everything? How do you approach that? I'm, I'm just curious. Yeah, and I think what you raise is a really great point because every charity is trying to accomplish something different. And I think it's very important when you're thinking about donating is you ask, what is this charity's role? Because what you're doing is entirely different than what the Red Cross is doing, right? Mm-hmm. However, if I can't talk with you or somebody at your organization, I don't know if what you're doing is amazing. I don't know if what you're doing is actually changing the world. I don't know if I can trust you or if you're just some sort of, you know, guy who put up a website and maybe something will happen someday, but, you know, it could just be a total waste of my donation. So for me personally, one of my rules is is I always call the charity I'm thinking about donating to. That's, That's one of my rules. And you may find, you know what, that rule for me is too restrictive. I, I want to be able to donate to a charity even if I can't speak to the person, to anybody there on the phone. So, Sharon, if I'm listening to what you're saying, um, do you, how much of a premium do you put on talk, being able to be, being able, I'll say, I'll get it out this morning, being uh-huh. able to talk to a live person when For me, doing. It's very important. Because I can tell so much from a phone call. I can tell their professionalism. I can tell their passion. Um, And, again, if I have questions, um, it's their ability to respond to those questions intelligently tells me how much they know about what they're doing. And if I have questions that require follow-up, it tells me about their organizational skills. So, for me, I believe talking with a charity um, is very important. Now, we have donated to charities without speaking with people before, um, but again, it involves a conversation as a group because we're like, well, how confident are we based on what we can see via their website that they're actually doing what they say they're doing? And we have donated in the past, so it doesn't rule it out entirely, but I would encourage people to call charities before they donate. You'll be surprised how much you can find out. Sharon, that leads me into another question. Uh, how easy is it or how valuable is it for me to just come out and ask for a financial statement or financial related documents to that charity and how easy is it to actually get the the financial reports and the financial breakdowns of a charity or nonprofit organization well it is so much easier today than it has ever been there's a wonderful website called GuideStar, and almost all charities will store their financial documents right on that website, and you can just look them up right there. Now, not all of them will be there. And oftentimes, though, what you'll find is as you're looking through them, you're going to have some questions, and you're going to say, well, I don't really understand. This seems unusual for this charity. What's going on? And that's, again, when I write those questions down, and I'll call. So I'll give you an example. We were researching a charity uh, for our Poverty Busters Giving Circle, and we loved it. It was such an interesting charity, great concept, unique. It was run by a husband and a wife. And I'm looking through their tax returns, and I saw some very large expenses, very large compared to the budget. This was not a large organization, and yet these expenses were making up nearly 50%. So when I called and I asked about these expenses, he kind of brushed me off. He was like, well, I think they were probably for this, but I can't really remember. And I asked him to follow up with me. He could check with his accountant and give me an explanation, and I never heard back from him. Hmm. So would you be comfortable in that situation donating to a charity, that charity? Oh, that that would make me hide my checkbook right off the bat, I'd have yeah. to say. Right. So we, we talked about it as a group. Like we're, we're not comfortable with this, and so we did not donate to them. Sharon, help us again. I, I, I did you say the organization, the website, excuse me, something was Guide Star. That's correct. Guide Star. Okay, that, I thought I, was, I just want to make sure we got that clearly. I, I don't. It didn't come 
clear to me there. Um, and so let's, um, as, as we talk about that, you know, we're in this process of talking about, you know, doing, you've already given us a couple of websites. Are there other tools that we can use to quickly and confidently evaluate a charity before we donate? I mean, what other, I mean, you've talked about calling them and, and making sure you talk to someone live, which was a good thing to start with. You know, you could look up financials. Are there other things that you have on a, on a, on a maybe a, a list of three to five things that we could say, okay, let's, how do we evaluate quickly and find out who we're working with here? Well, I have a three-level evaluation guide that your listeners can download at my website. It's mm. changegames.com slash donation title wave. So in that book, I also have things like, you know, how to – three terrible things that can happen to your donation. We expose them, myths like why you should ignore overhead ratios when donating to a charity, how to donate when you're broke. And in there, I have a three-level charity evaluation guide. So here's the first level. And I ask these four questions no matter what. There is, again, no such thing as a small donation. So if I'm giving money, I'm going to ask these four questions. What does the charity do? How do they do it? How do they know it's working? And is that something that I want to support? Mm -hmm. Now, these four questions are great, and they're especially great around the holidays for families. You might have, you know, the family wants to come together and going to donate a certain amount, and all those family members can research charities that they think are interesting and come back and report on these four questions. Right? It's really simple, even for kids to do. And the, the important, there are two important questions in this. One is, how do they know it's working? Because that's when you start to think critically, not just about what they're, how do they know it's working? You know, by, by what standards do you judge that? And that whole little process of just asking that question makes donating an intentional process. And I think everything changes when you, when you just ask that one question. Mm-hmm. Good, great, great, great ideas. I like those four simple questions, four, but good, very good questions. Sharon, just, we've got a minute and 30 seconds before we kind of break here, uh, but do you have a process or is there something that ties also what you do in your research to the Internal Revenue Service and what's, what kind of information? Is that what Guy Star is? Or how did IRS involve in, in any way in your investigation? Well, yeah, so we're looking through the tax returns that charities are filing with the IRS. And then those tax returns that are available through Guy you can look through. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, we've been speaking with Sharon Lipinski, and we'll be right back here on Motivation with a Purpose after this short timeout. It's time for more Motivation with a Purpose radio on TalkZone.com. Now, back to your hosts, Rich Hallstrom and Zeke Bambolo. Welcome back to Motivation with a Purpose. Here today on TalkZone, our guest is Sharon Lipinski, the founder of Change Gangs. She is a donation defender and charity and generosity expert. I'll get it out this morning. She's telling us about how to make our donations to charity and nonprofit groups more effective. And one of the things that you've talked about uh, this morning, Sharon, is giving circles. So let's go back to that topic a little bit and talk about how do we go about forming a giving circle and defining what our purpose is and who should we invite into the giving circle? We might be surprised to find out that there are over 800 giving circles in the United States donating more than $100 million a year. Giving circles are... Although many of us haven't heard of the word, they're actually a quite a popular way to donate money. And that's because they, they allow us to do things that we can't do on our own. They let us leverage our money. So, like I said, I, I can't donate very much. You know, I'm not Bill Gates, I'm not Oprah Winfrey. I, I would love to donate a million dollars, but that's not going to happen. My husband works for the Army, so, you know, right. we can donate $25 a month. So, if I get together 10 then we can donate $250 a month. And I know that $250 is going to make a bigger impact on a charity than $25, right? Mm-hmm. So you get to leverage your money. You leverage your time because your giving circle has a donation committee. 
and that committee will research charities before you donate. So you know, am I choosing a really great charity? Because your donation only makes a difference if the charity makes a difference with it. And it lets you leverage your knowledge because now you start to, to incorporate education into your donating. So you, if you're passionate, for example, about poverty, you know, one of the things that we looked into as a giving circle is, you know, does it make sense to get a free pair of shoes when you buy a pair of shoes? Is that a model that actually helps end poverty or does it, you know, tra- keep people trapped in poverty? And it turns out we don't like that model at all. So we will not support things that will give people free clothes and free shoes. So you begin to develop this institutional knowledge so that you can really direct your donation dollars to the kinds of causes, to the kinds of programs that are actually going to make an impact on the problem. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Zeke, I I think you have another question. I do. I do indeed. You you, you can see right through me there. Sharon, as we talk about this and uh, we have a dialogue about the giving circles and so forth, the thing that just crossed my mind uh, as you were speaking is trying to – we live in a society, a very – you know, America has been a very affluent and blessed country. And a lot of times uh, I think we find ourselves in – and as much as we're talking about here, give, making, giving people ways to give with effectiveness uh, – I just crossed my mind about sometimes to – I'm not sure if you address something on your site because we, we tend to have a little bit of enabling people more than we are really providing a solution to their problems because we're so affluent. And, and we have this, again, back to that whole guilt thing about giving. So I fear sometimes that we fail to do the research enough to understand, even if it's, even if we're giving to a, a, a group, an organization that has a true motive, do we go beyond to see how much that is an enablement, or is it really giving someone, uh, teaching someone to hunt, then giving them, you know, teaching them the fish, then giving them the fish kind of concept? Do you understand where I'm going with this? You know, I, I think again, this is this is where the research is critical because good intentions right. are not enough. They, they unfortunately aren't enough, and helping people is not always intuitive. Sometimes mm. it's downright counterintuitive, and sometimes you think what you're doing to help actually hurts people. And so, you know, it is important to say, okay, we're thinking about supporting this charity. It does this type of work. And I talk about this in the evaluation guide as well, is that you Google the type of work with the words problem, controversy, criticism. And then you can discover that, well, issues with orphanages, I need to be very, very careful when it comes to donating to an orphanage. You know, but if you don't do that kind of research, you would never know that. And, and, and many of the times, too, I mean, I'm thinking that uh, even as we do that research, a lot of us are more, we see all the TV commercials about, you know, kids in Africa and everything else. And I'm an African, so I'm not knocking that at all. But, again, because of our lack of putting the effort to really research why we're doing what we're doing and exactly, you know, does it really align with our value systems and our, and our you know, our moral codes? Uh, we really have become a lazy people and really lack taking the time to evaluate the effectiveness of what we're doing. Would you agree? Well, I would chalk it up less to laziness than I would say to confusion and overwhelm. You know, we have so much input coming into our world these days. You know, we have cell phones and Internet and TV, and we have jobs and families, and everybody wants to talk to us about this and that, and we have, you know, softball on Tuesday night. Our lives are full. And when you are trying to add something into that, that while it's important to you theoretically, that you're just not comfortable with, you haven't done it before, you don't know what to do, I think it's just human nature to avoid doing that. And that's why I say you just just don't go it alone. There is no reason to donate alone because now people who you donate with and you know that next Tuesday you're going to be giving a little presentation on uh, how to support a good orphanage, then you're going to actually do that research. You know, it gives you the motivation. It gives you the accountability. It's a lot more enjoyable to actually do it with other people. So don't go it alone. I think I think that's one of the mistakes that people make is donating is too private. We really just 
bring people around us who also care about it. Sharon, what would be your best example that you can give us out of the 800 giving circles that you know about and know about this process? What's the best example that you can give us of a giving circle that's really working and making a difference? Oh, there are countless giving circles really making a difference in their own way, but there are some amazing success stories. And actually, I have been interviewing giving circles from all around the world and recording their stories at my givingcircleshelp.com website. Mm. And, you know, some communities have already raised millions of dollars for charities in their, in their community. But I would caution you that a successful giving circle actually has nothing to do with how much money you're donating. It has everything to do with how you're donating. Because you can make a million-dollar donation that gets embezzled and fund this guy's lifestyle, and it's done nothing. So I don't care how much you're donating. What I care is how are you donating? Are you making a difference? Sharon, tell us about your book. How to Wave book. It has really wonderful topics in it, How to Donate When You're Broke. We all feel like we don't have enough money. and You know, I, I don't know that there's ever enough money, but how do you donate when you're broke? How do you say no to unwanted requests for time and money? Uh, a six-step plan for building a strong giving muscle. And why you should ignore overhead ratios. And then personally, my favorite thing about the book that I think is the most valuable is the three-level charity evaluation guide. Because if you follow this guide, you will feel amazingly confident about the charities that you end up choosing to give your hard-earned money to. Sharon, as much you know, I'm, I'm listening to you there, and I know you just listed what your favorite is, but I'll go with my favorite for a minute. I just like the title you use, your six-step plan for what building a, a, a giving a strong giving muscle. Is that what you call it? Yeah, that's what I call it. Okay, break it down for me, girl. I'm on I'm on a muscle team here. Help me figure out the muscle <laughs> team. <laughs> I imagine you already have a pretty strong giving muscle. But you know, I, I could use you know I, I I'm in the gym you know frequently and I could probably use a little bit of enhancement without the uh, without so much of the uh, how you call it the uh, what's it the, the, the substance abuse what do you call it what all of the performance all enhan- without a little bit of uh, performance enhancing drugs I think there is what you go my buddy so come on I still need you Sharon come on I want to enhance these muscles on the on the on the right without on the right products. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it's, it's actually very similar to building any sort of muscle. And, and that's what I use the same, the, that metaphor, because whether or not you're starting out in the gym or you're trying to, to donate to something you've never done it before, you know, you need to have a plan. You need to start small. You need to have encouragement. You know, those are all steps along the way. And then as you start to get used to you know, your muscle and it's starting to get stronger. What do you do next when you're in the gym? Well, well you got to change up your workout, it. don't you? Or <laughs> lift a little heavier. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and Zeke just said the other one, it's got to get heavier, right? So giving can get boring if you're just doing the same thing. And when giving becomes a rote and routine, it stops being rewarding. So you got to change it up. And when you get a certain amount of weight, Challenge yourself. Okay, like, I'm now used to giving this amount of money. What if we did an extra ten dollars a month? What would happen? You know. So that's my advice. It's the same thing as building any other kind of muscle. So Sharon, I mean, I'm, I, again, I, it, it's been a good conversation just going through this, and I want you to, to help us a little bit. We've been talking a lot about the monetary aspect. How much of your book and your again, and you know, just to kind of reemphasize it with our with our listeners, how much of your book and stuff you've di- given to non-monetary giving and the charitable aspects? And do you talk about service and so forth as well? Yeah, my book is specific to giving money, and you know, okay. there are many, many ways to give. And they both have different kinds of benefits. You, know, you get different benefits from giving attention to somebody than you will get from giving money to a charity. But they're both important. Um, and at different times in your life, you're going to find that you have more time or more money. And in those cases, I think it's more than appropriate to give more of one than the other. But they're both important to give. Sharon, what is the message you want to leave with our audience today that you want them to really take away from today's show? I would want people to know that their donations are changing the world. 
if they go to great charities doing great work. So take your donations seriously, create a donation plan, and research those charities before you donate. Sharon, tell us one more time where they can get in touch with you and tell us one more time about the book and where we can find it. You can download the book at changegames.com slash donation tidal wave. And you can also find my contact information on my website, changegames.com. And, you know, I'm committed to making a big difference in the world. So if I can make a difference in your world, I would love to hear how I can do that. And today, Zeke has one more closing question on today's edition of Motivation with a Purpose. Go, indeed, Zeke. Indeed, indeed, Sharon. Leave us, oh, leave us here. Maybe on a on a on a wonderful note. But one of the things that we talk, you talk, you haven't shared as much, but I know it's on your heart. Is we can give as much as we talk about all the guilt and everything else. We can give without embarrassing people. Just share a little bit of life that we can go with with a good with a good rec- recollection of what we've been talking about in this because it is a good thing that you're talking about here. But sometimes we catch ourselves in the catch twenty two here you know so help us out how do we get without embarrassing people well i think it's very important sometimes we get a, a mindset that beggars can't be choosers and sometimes we can do more damage to people by humiliating them or embarrassing them and so it's very important my basic principle is what would i want if i were in this situation so when i answer that question i would say well i probably want to be anonymous i want to be able to ask for help if I need help. I don't want you to just show up my, at my door with a Thanksgiving turkey and let the entire neighborhood know I'm too poor to feed my family. That can be humiliating. Um, and I want to have a choice because, you know, I know, and, and you probably have all had these experiences, people that we know really, they give us a Christmas present and we're never going to use it. So we can't really anticipate what people need. We don't know that well enough. We don't even know our family well enough often to give them what they really need. So we need to let people tell us what they need. That's excellent advice, Sharon. Thank you very much for appearing on the show today. Once again, our guest has been Sharon Lipinski, the donation defender and generosity expert, founder of Change Gangs, Virtual Giving Circles, and once again, her Book is the donation title wave. Go out and get it. Learn to move, learn to be more giving and join us next week right here on Talk Zone for another exciting edition of Motivation with a Purpose. <laughs>